This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. On today's future award-winning Analytics podcast, episode 178, I'm going to be talking to former Buffalo Bills tight end and current sports talk show radio host at 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Doran Dickerson, he's going to be my guest. Doran was first on this podcast all the way back in OG of the show, back in episode four. So we'll spend a few minutes catching up. And then, of course, we'll turn our attention to previewing what's going to be a very big game on Sunday night between the Buffalo Bills and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Doran will take you inside the Steelers. We'll talk about that insanely talented defense that has helped key a dramatic turnaround. And we'll spend some time talking about Duck Hodges a name that I never thought I'd be saying a couple weeks ago, but he's the Steelers quarterback right now, and that team just continues to win. Again, very big game. Doran will get you all set up for that. Plenty more coming up with him in just a few. Before I get to that, though, I want to let you know today's show is being supported by 26 Shirts. At 26 Shirts, a different Buffalo-themed design is sold every two weeks, and then bam, presto, that shirt is gone. Here's the best part about what they do. For every single shirt that they sell, they make a donation to either a local family that's in need or to a worthy charity. Since 2013, their designs have managed to raise and donate over $670,000. Folks, that number is just absolutely amazing. Del Reed, his crew, they do an amazing job. They make the lives of so many people better. It's awesome to see, not to mention... These shirts look really good. They're designed outstandingly. They're comfortable, very sporty to wear. Head on over to 26shirts.com and see what cause needs you this week. And on that note, let's do it. Let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now... Here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, podcast fans, what's going on? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to episode 178 of the Moranalytics podcast. Thank you as always for listening and for downloading the show. I'm going to have Doran Dickerson for you in just a minute. Real quick though, I got an announcement right off the top here. Exciting. Well, it's exciting for me, at least. Anyway, regarding this podcast, next week's going to be business as usual. Tuesday, Friday shows from my normal, typical home studio here in Florida. But a week from today, you're hearing this Friday morning. So one week from today, I'm going to be on a plane going back to my hometown, Buffalo, New York, for the holidays. So excited. I'm going to be there for almost two weeks. And of course, it's always fun to see family and friends. I'm looking forward very much to that. But also beyond that, Regarding this podcast, I'm also excited because I'm going to get an opportunity to do at least four, 
maybe five podcast episodes while I'm in Buffalo. And look, I'm always grateful to do the podcast from wherever I'm at. It doesn't really matter. But it's one thing to do a phone interview or a Skype interview with all these guys and girls that I get a, a chance to do a podcast with. But it's another whole other animal to be in Buffalo, my hometown, sitting down face-to-face, couple microphones, shooting this shit, interacting. The energy's just different. It's a lot more fun to do. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know, last summer I did a Wings Wit series when I was in Buffalo. And basically what I did is just go to a bunch of different wing spots and I hooked up with various people, guests. The last time it was all Buffalo sports media people. I had Sal Capaccio and Tim Graham, Joe Biscaglia, Eric Wood, Mike Harrington, and Joe Yurden. So I did six episodes in Buffalo and it was a lot of fun to do. It was very well received, a good time, just a really good vibe, good atmosphere. And I feel like the episodes were very well done. Hopefully that's going to be the case again, because again, I'm going to be there for at least four, maybe five episodes. I'm going to continue the Wings Wit series. I have at least two guests booked for sure. Still working on a couple other people. So hopefully in the next week or so, I'll get that all completely squared away. And at that time, Maybe I'll go on Twitter and I'll start to tweet out where I'll be and who I'll be with. And if you want to come check out the podcast, say hello to myself or whoever the guest is, you're more than welcome to. Again, always a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun to be able to get back to Buffalo, period. Anyway, on that note, let's get right down to business. Here it is, my interview with former Buffalo Bills tight end, who, by the way, he was only in Buffalo for one season, 2012, but that year I struck up a friendship with Doran and... We've remained cool ever since. I've been talking to him going back, what, six, seven years now regularly too. Very nice guy. Very humble. So insightful with football. Good communicators. No doubt. No question. No wonder why he's killing it doing sports talk show radio in uh, Pittsburgh. So a great guy. And I'm really excited to have him back. He was actually on. This is episode 178. I had Dorn on this show all the way back. Episode number four. So he was one of the very first guests I've ever had on this podcast. Excited to have him back on today. Here it is, my interview, Dorn Dickerson. All right, my guest today is Dorn Dickerson, former six-year NFL tight end, including the 2012 season with the Buffalo Bills. Currently doing some radio work at 93.7 to fan in Pittsburgh. Figured it was a great week. To have Doran back on the podcast playing the Steelers. He knows a lot about that. What's going on, Doran? How you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing really good. And I'll tell you what, this is episode 178. And for everyone out there listening, Doran is like one of my OG guests, man. You were on with me all the way back, episode number four, which feels like an eternity to me. But yeah, man, well, you were one of my very first guests ever on this podcast. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. I mean, wow, that's a lot. That's just, you've been cranking them out, man. That's, that, that sounds good. That's awesome. That's fun, man, because I get an opportunity to talk to guys like you. And I'll tell you what, for everyone out there listening, I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, episode number four, because that was a lot of fun. We talked about your entire, not just football career, your journey to get to the NFL, growing up, high school, college, all that stuff. And it was a lot of fun. How, let me ask you this, because obviously, you know, some things have changed since, uh, we talk, which is now it's more than a year and a half ago. How hard it was it for you? And is it for an athlete generally to hang up the cleats? What was that process like for you retiring, having being forced to retire in part because of injury and just having to 
hang up those cleats. That can never be a, a an easy thing for a professional athlete. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, it, it is a tough transition to uh, really accept because it's something that that's all I've ever known. I mean, uh, it's funny because I tell people because I've only had like two jobs in my life. I mean, I think I worked at Cold Stone in high school. Cold Stone's an ice cream place here in Pittsburgh. I don't know if it's a chain. I think it is, but uh, Cold Stone's an ice cream place. I worked there in high school for like two weeks and then I just played football. So that's all I knew was playing football my whole life. So it is a very tough transition at first, but you always have to have a plan B. I always had a plan B of what I wanted to do and how I could move on. So that has helped me in watching uh, uh, all these new star players and how the game's evolved. And it's, uh, it's a real treat. And then also I get to talk about it for a living. So that's a, that, that's a nice little treat too. So I'm still involved and uh, it, it's going pretty well. I'm not going not gonna to lie. It's going pretty well. All right. So that was my next question, Dorn. I wanted to ask you, what got you interested in doing sports talk radio? Uh, I really just fell into it. Uh, I talked to a guy, uh, his name's Larry Richard. He's very, uh, uh, very big around the scene of, of media here in Pittsburgh. He does a lot of things with the Steelers, with Pitt. And he was like, would you ever be interested in getting the radio? I was like, you know, I never really thought about it before. And to be honest with you, I've never really listened to sports radio. I mean, I've been on, been on interviews on radio, but I never really turned it on to my car. And just one day I really like literally like a week later, he was like, all right, well, here you go. Here's a part-time shift. So let's see how you do. And just threw me on air. I was on, on air for three hours by myself and just been going from there and just learning and figuring out the nuances of, of doing radio. And I really do love it because it is the happy medium. It's a, uh, you know, I can't play anymore and I don't want to coach because that's a huge investment. And I've already invested so much time into football that radio is, is, is keeping me alive. It's keeping football alive for, for me. I'm able to give my own opinion I'm able to be involved. I can still watch it every weekend and have something to do with it. So it's really been a, a very nice treat for me to be able to still be involved with uh, football in that aspect. How was it the process of getting used to being on radio? Was it quick? Did you catch on quick to it? Was it kind of a you know a process getting comfortable hearing your own voice on the air and stuff like that? Or again, was it just something that would kind of came natural for you? Uh, it came a little bit natural because it just, I think my uh, mentality and, uh, and, and just who, who I am as a person and just kind of outgoing, but I mean, it's still very hard. I mean, and people don't understand that, that listen to radio, like how, how the structure is. I mean, I mean, how you get to multitask and how you have to uh, be in sync with uh, your, your inner time clock has to be in sync with a lot of things. Like a lot of things are going on while you're talking. And I tell people this, like, I mean, I do shows by myself sometimes and I also do people, I do shows um, with a co-host and the biggest thing about radio is listening and people think it's talking and be able to speak clear. Like, no, it's about listening to what's going on, listening to the person uh, uh, present a question and listening to you really yourself and how you project uh, a question to, pe or how you project an answer to people who are listening. So I'm still learning, but um, it's been going pretty good. You know, I just, I've been picking up on it and, doing a little bit of TV here and there and doing some uh, color analyst stuff for football. So it, it's going really good. And I love being involved with it. And one thing you got going for yourself is that you have a really good personality, good outgoing personality. So this doesn't surprise me at all that you're doing well with this. A lot of football players are just athletes in general. And if it's said the wrong way, it could come across as really egotistical and probably rub fans the wrong way. But it is a reality when you're a football player and you've played at the highest level like you have, you do have insights on the sport that some other people simply don't have. A perfect example, former teammate of yours, Eric Wood, is now doing radio 
color commentary during Buffalo Bills games, and he's doing a lot of talk show media in, in Buffalo on Mondays and stuff like that. But, I mean, how much having that perspective of being a former NFL player, it does help you. But at the same token, if you say it the wrong way, you can offend a lot of people as well. You know what I mean? You kind of got to have that, that balance there when it comes to that. Oh, yeah, and you got to respect other people's opinion, and that's one thing that, you know, I went in there with an open mind whenever I first started doing radio, and and I always will keep this uh, this characteristic to my to to what I do is I'll always have an open mind and I always want to hear somebody's opinion. If even if you agree or disagree with what I'm saying, I still want to see the other side because maybe I'm wrong, maybe I missed something. But the the thing with the whole football of being a part of it and playing for so many years and playing at the highest level was like I can go watch this Steelers Bills game on Sunday and I can go stand at a bar and not listen to the whole game and watch it and glance at it and remember every single play and remember what happened, not take a note and go on air on Monday and talk about every single sequence that happened. So I think that's like the, the advantage that I have as a player, because I've watched so much film over my career that I know exactly what's going on. It looks slower to me than it probably does to somebody else. So I think that that's like the advantage is I see so many different things at one time. And so quick, I'm able to process it quicker than a lot of people because I understand it and I've seen it and I've done it. So I think that that probably has helped me be able to talk about it on air uh, very fluently with other people. And really, and honestly, the people that I work with are great. You know, they ask me a lot of questions. We really, we, we, we treat each other with respect. You know, they don't treat me like the, the dumb jock or I don't treat them like the, the, the guy that's never played before. No, they ask very right. good questions and we work very well together. Do you think before we talk, we're going to obviously be talking some Bill Steelers right now. Obviously, you're based in Pittsburgh, covering the Steelers, talking about your college, your alma mater, Pitt, of course, other teams as well down there. But have you still get an opportunity to at least somewhat keep up with the Buffalo Bills? Oh, yeah, I, I definitely pay attention. I mean, that was one of my favorite places that I played at. I mean, that's whenever me and my girlfriend met right before I got signed there. And uh, she lived back here in Pittsburgh and would drive up every week. And that's only a three hour drive. Uh, a lot of great memories that I had in Buffalo and uh, we'd go visit once a year. We try to every, uh, every year. So yeah, I definitely keep up with the, with the program and with the franchise and what they're doing. And, you know, McDermott's doing a great job, Josh Allen, they finally found their franchise quarterback, I believe. And, you know, they're, they're, they're headed in the right direction. I mean, in a better direction than they have been. So uh, I definitely keep up with what they're doing. And I, you know, I have a lot of, lot of respect for that franchise. Before we get into both these teams, they're going to be playing a very big game on Sunday. I kind of want to reference back a little bit to our first interview all the way back in episode four. And we talked at length about your 2012 season with the team. And there's a word out there that I think some people really buy into. Some people think it's a word that gets blown out of proportion. And I really want to get your take on this as a former player. And that word is culture. When you, in 2012, when you were here, I remember you telling me the story. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. Now, you never said anything disparaging about the organization or anything like that. So I'm not going to sit here and create controversy that's not there whatsoever. But you did talk about on the podcast how, in some ways, the organization was a little bit of a mess and that team meetings were often uninspiring. The Bills right now, Sean McDermott has his team playing the way they are. And the word culture is used all the time in Buffalo. How important is culture? Is it a real thing or is this an overrated media driven thing? Because things just seem different in Buffalo right now than they did in, in recent years. Uh, I, I think culture is a real thing. I think culture is a real thing in life and in sports and in business. Uh, you have to create a great uh, 
atmosphere for for where you're working like if you're a boss and you know you go into work every day and you don't have standards and you don't have a culture um then what are people going to look up to where are the rules where are the guidelines of what to be and how to act and how to really be successful and i can tell you this i mean i worked out for the carolina panthers probably about three two to three times in my career and they were the the rookie work workouts they were like the three-day rookie mini camp like they would sneak me in that would be my tryout mm-hmm. and i tell you what sean mcdermott would be the defensive coordinator, obviously, coaching up some of the tryout guys and some of the rookies. And he was coaching his butt off every single time that I could even remember having a workout for them. And it doesn't surprise me that that's what the culture he brought to Buffalo is because he's a no-nonsense guy. He does things the right way, the, you know, the way that things are supposed to be done. And people respect that. And guys respect that because if you want to win, you have to have that standard. You have to have that culture. Because if you don't, then guys will just literally go in there and be like, listen, I, I'm making money. Like, you know, going in there and losing the game is like I, I could still go to my locker every Tuesday and there'll be a check there. There's guys in the league that act like that. I'm not going to lie. But if you have a culture and you have a standard and you have somebody that you respect as a coach and, and, and as a franchise, then you, you want to get the best out of everybody around you and yourself and you'll do whatever it takes. So it really doesn't surprise me that McDermott is doing what he is doing with this team because I saw it firsthand and it was just it was very quick. You know, it was very quick. Like I said, I was on a tryout basis and I saw how he coached. I was like, you know what? That guy's perfect for a Buffalo Bills job. When you talk about culture and standard, Pittsburgh, it raises the bar with their standards in their culture, perennial winner in Pittsburgh. And I would, I would surmise to say that maybe alongside San Francisco, Pittsburgh for me this year is one of the most fascinating stories in the NFL, because I mean, let's face it. Le'Veon Bell doesn't even play last year. Then he leaves as a free agent. You got Antonio Brown, one of the best receivers in the NFL, but clearly a malcontent, didn't want to be in Pittsburgh. He forces his way out. Big Ben goes down opening week. So there's your franchise quarterback, one of the best running backs in the NFL over the last five years, and arguably the best wide receiver in the entire NFL over the last five or so years. All former, well, two of them are former Pittsburgh Steelers, and the other one's going to be on the sidelines for the rest of the year. And you're not even one half into the first week of the season. And then you got guys, young, good young players like Juju Schuster and James Conner. They've been hurt a lot this year, or at very least less than healthy for most of the year. Neither are putting up numbers close to what they did last year. Mason Rudolph, kind of been a disaster. I mean, let's be honest here. Yet, after everything I just said, the Steelers are eight and five right now. They've won seven of their last eight. How in God's name is this team as good as they are right now? Uh, it, it's pretty unbelievable. And this is why I believe that uh, Mike Tomlin was hired as a head coach back in 2005, 2006 is because he is a good coach. And, and now he's actually getting back to his roots of coaching. Um, before it was Ben's team. And then before that, it was Troy Palomalo's team and James Ferrier's team and, and Heinz Ward's team and Jerome Bettis. And I mean, not Jerome Bettis, but Heinz Ward's team. Um, now it's his team. For, for the first time, really, in his coaching career, he's actually able to assemble guys that will listen to him as being the leader. And you have the third-string quarterback at Devlin Hodges. I mean, you have guys that you've been signing up practice squads and really just been plugging and playing. It's pretty amazing uh, to see this. And i got to give credit to Kevin Colbert, who's the GM, too, of assembling these guys and picking the right guys at the right time. I mean, even the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, you know, they've been doing they've been playing chess while everybody's been playing checkers. They've been moved making the right moves at the right time 
every single week of the year. Like, look, even even this week, and, and Juju Smith-Future, like you said, and James Conner, I mean, they might be coming back this week. I would probably say that they are, and it's just the perfect timing. It's the perfect time for them to come back. You know, you get two of your best weapons back. You have a third-string quarterback who's playing out of his mind, just kind of a, you know, almost in a fantasy land of playing football, and now you're going to get some of your best guys back to almost head into the playoffs against the Buffalo Bills, who this game means so much to both teams. I mean, it's kind of crazy how all this is playing out. So giving a lot of credit to uh, Mike Tomlin of just really getting back to his roots of being a, uh, being a coach and it's showing. I'll tell you what, maybe if about a month or so ago, you would have told me Mike Tomlin's going to be a lock for NFL coach of the year. I would have said, well, you're saying that because you're in Pittsburgh, right? right. <laughs> but, but right. he's got to be the NFL coach of the year, right? I mean, he has to be at this point. Oh, I mean, he, he really has to be. And, and the, and the thing is like the guys, the guys that are there, like the Joe Haydens and the the Cam Haywards and the Marquise Pouncey's and, and Ramon Foster's, they're all responding and they're all kind of like, yep, we, kn- we knew that we could be this team. We knew this like three years ago. This is what we had, but we had some some drama. We had some distractions going on and and now we have no distractions. We can just go out there and play football and they're winning games and they're they're proving it every week that they're a legit contender. You got to. Tell us a little bit about Devlin Hodges here, because obviously Big Ben goes down. Mason Rudolph is supposed to be the guy. Clearly, he's not, or at least not at this point anyway. He didn't play well, and he got benched. Devlin Hodges comes in, still winning. Tell us a little bit about this guy. You know, he comes out of Sanford, and not not Stanford, but Sanford. I mean, it's a small school down in down in the south, and he, he threw for, I think, 11,000 yards in his career. Um, he's a guy who they signed for a camp arm. And uh, during camp, just a, you know, a four strength, fifth string quarterback to go in there and and run with the fours every once in a while, just a camp arm. Uh, he plays throughout training camp. They release him. Then Benny gets hurt. They bring him back. And now this is where he's at. He's a guy that's I from what I for what I'm experiencing is that he's a guy that is going out there and like, listen, I'm not even supposed to be here. Like, this is an opportunity. This is great. This is awesome. I'm just going to take advantage of where I'm at right now, because I'm not even supposed to be here. You know, they didn't even expect me to be on this roster. I am a, you know, I, I'm going to go in here and play football and he's a gamer. You know, he, he really is a gamer. He goes out there. Um, he knows how to throw the ball. He knows how to play the quarterback position. And sometimes that's all you need. And I think that Mason Rudolph was forcing a lot of things. I mean, he was forcing, he was always told, Oh, he's going to be Ben's successor. They drafted him in the third round. He's the next man up this, this and that. I think he had a lot of pressure and a lot of weight on his shoulders, and Devlin Hodges has no way. He's like, listen, hey, I, I'm just enjoying the moment, man, and I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to play quarterback like I've been playing since I was probably five years old, and it's working. You know, the formula is working, and hopefully uh, for the Steelers, it's going to work at Heinz Field on Sunday night because this Buffalo Bills team is, is for real this year. The defense is good. They got a really good quarterback, as you guys all know, and uh, it's going to be an exciting game. That's why they moved this prime time. Your description of him kind of reminds me a little bit of a quarterback that you played with in Buffalo, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about their games physically, but just that mentality. Ryan Fitzpatrick has long felt like, you know, I keep coming in to be a backup and I end up starting every year because somebody gets hurt or somebody isn't playing well, so I get opportunities. It seems like every stop that he goes to, that ends up happening. Is there any similarity there in their game or is it just in circumstance between those two because that kind of what it reminds me of a little bit anyway 
Oh, there's a lot of similarities. I would say the only similarity is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably a little bit smarter than Devlin Hodges. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that. Because <laughs> he went to uh, Harvard, right? Yeah, because he's a Harvard <laughs> guy. You know, I think that he, he might be a tad bit smarter than Devlin Hodges. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, they're both tough. They're both, you know, I mean, if, if Devlin Hodges and Ryan Fitzpatrick walked into a restaurant, you would not know who they were. I mean, that's what I used to tell people about Ryan Fitzpatrick. He could walk in here right now. You wouldn't know that he was who he was. Obviously, if he, his beard and everything. But if he didn't, the size, how his, how big he is, his stature, you wouldn't know that he was Ryan Fitzpatrick. So uh, Devin Hodges is the same way. Tough, gritty, and just gamers, man. They're, they're both gamers. Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of the toughest quarterbacks I've ever been around. I mean, he's a gamer, and they're very selfless, too, off the field. Um, I never really met Devin Hodges, but from what I hear, he's he's a great guy. He's a great great young man and uh i know ryan fitzpatrick's like that i know all the things that ryan fitzpatrick used to do off the field and how he was as a person so they definitely remind uh, me of each of them of each other in that aspect for sure let's talk about another fitzpatrick you brought him up earlier Mika fitzpatrick so pittsburgh starts the season they get destroyed by new england and then they lose the following week a close one at seattle so they're already owing to they don't have their quarterback again it looks like it's going to be a very long season and what do they do they go and make a trade they give up a future first round pick for a defensive back and I remember at that time that moment at least people were kind of scratching their heads not because Fitzpatrick's not a very talented player but it's like what are you doing giving up future big time assets a first round pick for a season that's going to be you know a lost season and obviously this guy's been a very huge player for him a lot of credit, I'm sure, is going his way towards helping the Steelers turn things around. And it kind of brings light to the fact that even though the Steelers were 0-2 at the time, and, and then they lost the week after they got him too. They lost uh, to San Francisco, so they're 0-3. But this is still a very confident organization that they were going to be able to turn it around because I'm sure this, you know, Mika Fitzpatrick is no rental player. But still, at the same token, you're giving up a future first-round pick when you're off to an 0-2 start and your franchise quarterback is down, that shows that this organization had a lot of confidence that they could turn it around and probably compete like right away this year, like they are now. Yeah, and I, and I think that their thought press, process there was, you know, we need our leader in the back end. Yeah, we have uh, Joe Hayden who plays corner and he kind of just takes one side of the field a bit, but they need that general at safety. Uh, I can see Mike Tomlin thinking that way because we drafted a guy in Devin Bush who's going to be our general for the next 10 years in the middle. And we have a guy in TJ Watt who's going to be in TJ Watt and Cam Hayward on the defensive line who kind of control things there. And he's like, what we're missing is our general in the back end. We need that safety, that Troy Palomalo, that Ryan Clark. We need that guy in the back end. And we all know Mike Thomas history. I mean, he was a defensive back coach. He was a um, defensive coordinator. So he always had a guy like that. And I, I, I mean, this move was just unbelievable when they made it at the time. And, People in Pittsburgh, like you said, were a little upset about it, saying, you know, well, we were giving away our first round pick and all this and that. I mean, Mika Fitzpatrick, I mean, he'll be here for 10 years. Yeah, you know, he'll be he'll be in that spot for 10 years and he'll uh, lock down uh, uh, that safety spot in the and be a Pro Bowl-esque player every single year. So, you know, moving and making that move at the time they did was very impressive. And I can only do, I can just think that that's exactly the thought process. Mike Tomahat was like, listen, if we want this defense to be good, we need that general in the back end. And they got him and it's working. Yeah, I mean, they obviously must add all the confidence in the world in this kid because, again, 0-2, your quarterback's done. You're staring maybe a potentially a 4-12 and season in the, in the face. And 
losing out on having a five or, you know, a top five pick or something like that. But obviously things have turned around and he's played a big part of it. As is JJ, there's a TJ, I almost said JJ there. <laughs> JJ's the big brother, bigger name, but I'll tell you what, man, TJ Watt, 12 and a half sacks for the Steelers this year. He's in the conversation as far as I'm concerned, at least for NFL defensive player of the year. By the way, he's also got two interceptions and six uh, passes defending. So it's not like he can only get at the quarterback and do nothing else. He's proved that last year because he had 13 sacks last year. Obviously, you know that. Not a fluke, man. How good is this guy? Because, man, he seems like he's a... I haven't gotten to watch him much. He seems like a really good football player. I mean, he, he's he's unbelievable. And uh, he has a motor like anybody else. I mean, if you watch JJ, uh, I mean, just think of JJ really as in a skinnier version. I mean, he's a motor. He can go all day. And I think his best attribute is he could bring the best out of everybody else on the defense. And if you could just, if I could bring Bud Dupree on the show right now, he'd probably say the same thing because Bud Dupree's having a contract year and, and just balling out because I do think that there's a lot of healthy competition going on in that, in that defensive end uh, meeting room, that linebacking meeting room that uh, is helping Bud Dupree seeing TJ Watt flourish. And then he's like, you know what? I got to get mine too. So I got, I got to, I got to ramp my game up another level and, and try to, uh, emulate what he's doing. So he brings the best TJ Watt brings the best out of everybody on that defense. And it just trickles back. I mean, if you look at TJ Watt, you look at Bud Dupree, you look at Cam Hayward, then you look at the guy in Devin Bush, and you look at Vince Williams who are at the linebacker spot. And then you go back and you look at Minka Fitzpatrick and you look at Joe Hayden. I mean, those guys are all competing within that's a healthy competition. And that's why as a whole, they're playing like one of the best defenses in the NFL. And I tell you what, you just ran off a lot of very good football players. And because of some of those guys around, a guy like Bud Dupree hardly gets noticed around the league. I'll be honest with you, I haven't heard a lot about him. But then you look up at the stat sheet, and dude's got nine and a half sacks already this year. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, hell, that's a hell of a season. And he's going to be a free oh, yeah. agent. So he's, oh, yeah. he's going to get paid, man. You, we could talk about the Steelers' defense for hours. It's just so much fun to watch them play defense. There's a handful of teams in the NFL that are so good on defense that it's just sometimes it's fun to watch the defense play. Pittsburgh's definitely one of them, and their opponent's another one. Bill's got a very good defense, too. Yeah, I, and, and they have a great defense. And and, and I, I to think that, uh, you know, I was just talking about Mike Tomlin, I feel like McDermott's the same way. I mean, he has a hand in the defense, I'm sure, um, and what they're doing. And the Bills, they're playing at a high level on defense, and that's helping out the offense so much. And then a young guy like, Josh Allen, I mean, just even field position and helping him out like that. You could tell that the Bills are a solid football team. You don't really hear that that much anymore. I mean, we hear the Patriots because they're there every year and their program and they're in their in the way that they run things and you know how strict it is up there. But you don't really hear a solid football team anymore in the NFL. And if you watch the Bills, you could just tell they're just a salt. They're solid all around, all across the board, like everywhere, from their head coach. To to the to the to the punter, you know they're they're solid all around the board. So they're going to be a team on the rise, and they're obviously very good this year. But even in the future, I could just see them just really taking over uh, that division, especially if the Patriots implode like looks like they might this year. But we say that every year. We certainly <laughs> do, man. Well, I'll tell you the Bills, and I think they impress a lot of people, maybe even more so this week by losing to at uh, Baltimore. I should say in Buffalo. I'm sorry, against Baltimore, only by seven. When they had the ball in the red zone in the final minute, a chance to tie or maybe even win the game. I think that might have impressed some people around the league, maybe even more so than going out on Thanksgiving and giving Dallas a beating for sure. If there's an area of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and again, we just talked ad nauseum about how good this defense is, 
and they got some players on offense. But if there's an area, if you're a Buffalo Bills guy right now, and you're saying, all right, how can I exploit the Pittsburgh Steelers? What's an area of the Steelers that you think maybe they're most vulnerable, whether it's something on the defense or maybe uh, turnovers coming on the offense, special teams, something where you think the Bills might have the best opportunity to, to exploit them come Sunday night. I think they're pass rush and, and Vance McDonald, he'll be out this week. He uh, had a concussion and their tight ends have been really like incoherent all year. Uh, they're they They haven't been anything in the passing game. They haven't really been that much in the running game. So uh, they're down to like their one tight end and Nick Vanette. And I think Zach Gentry might be, and he's a rookie and he'll be in there too. So if you can uh, get a good pass rush on the tackles, there's nobody that's going to be able to stay in and really chip or uh, uh, knock you off your path unless they want to keep a running back in, but they need that. They need the running back for a passing game. So I think that the tight end is the weakest spot of the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers offense. So if you can really get your pass rush going and, and Alvin Aleva, he's been a little shaky this year. Uh, he does need some help at times. And I don't know if they're going to be able to give him help uh, this Sunday. When it comes to tight ends, and I know you're going to be biased as hell because I'm asking a, a <laughs> former tight end this, all right? How important is this position? Now, Vance McDonald's a guy that I like a lot. He hasn't been healthy for at least some of the year. I don't think the production has been quite as good as it was anticipated. Not that he's been bad by any means when he's been able to get out there. But like you take the Buffalo Bills, they got a rookie tight end in Dawson Knox who's got a lot of talent and he's made some really nice plays, but he's also had... Uh, case of the drops too often. It just, there's not a lot of premium, great tight ends out there in the NFL. And I kind of feel like when you get an opportunity to get your hands on them, you really got to go all out and get them because it really is a position that could elevate an entire offense. Oh yeah, it definitely can. And you got to find that. And if you want to get that one tight end, that's why I feel the Steelers offense was very good for so many years is because they had Heath Miller. Heath Miller was able to do so many different things uh, within the offense. I mean, Ben trusted him. Uh, that was the number one thing in the passing game. He was always reliable in the, in the run game. He was reliable in protection. He was reliable. So they never really had to worry about that position for, you know, I mean like almost 11, 12 years, whenever Heath Miller was here. So that, that position is very valuable. Um, and if you find one, want to do your best to keep them because they can help you out in every single facet of playing offensive football. And then obviously on special teams too, but they are the, uh, the, the, the Swiss Army knife player of the offense, and they're they're one of a kind. It's hard to come by uh, nowadays. We talked about potentially an area that the uh, Buffalo Bills might be able to exploit. What about the other way around? Because the expectation is going to be that both these teams are going to play good defense. Obviously, you never know what happens once the opening kick comes. Anything can happen on any given night. But it would be a surprise if both teams did not play good defense. But when it comes to the Steelers' offense. Obviously, if Joju's in there and, and if uh, Connor's in there, sure, they're very good players. But name me maybe one or two guys on the Steelers offense who we haven't talked about that might have the potential to do some damage to the Buffalo defense on Sunday night. Uh, Deontay Johnson. Uh, he's another wide receiver that we drafted in the third round. Uh, he's out of Toledo, and he's been having a pretty decent year. He's a young guy. Reminds me of uh, Emmanuel Sanders uh, in a way when Emmanuel Sanders was young playing for the Steelers. I mean, he's dynamic. He can run routes. He can run deep. He's fast. He's a returner. He had a return for a touchdown last week against uh, Arizona. So he's a very dynamic football player, and, and he can play all over the place on offense. So uh, him, and I have to give uh, uh, maybe James Washington, the other wide receiver, some credit too, because his game has come along. And 
him and Mason Rudolph, they went to college together at Oklahoma State, and they never seemed to get on the same page while they were here uh, with the Steelers. But Devlin Hodges and James Washington are always on the same page, and they have been ever since Devlin Hodges has been playing. So uh, that's Devlin Hodges' go-to man uh, uh, in the last couple of games. So I expect both those guys to to uh, have some pretty decent games, I guess, here coming up in the last stretch of the next three games. One of my favorite things about this game coming up on Sunday night and I'm sure it's a very big reason why it was flexed into Sunday night, is that there's a lot on the line for both these teams. With the Steelers, they can move up to the five spot, or they could fall down to the seven, depending on how things go for that. As for the Buffalo Bills, they can actually clinch a playoff. Actually, not just a playoff spot. They can clinch the fifth seed if they're able to win in Pittsburgh. So it's a very big game for both teams. What is the vibe like in Pittsburgh this week? Now, again, by the time... The people here, this is going to be Friday. We're taping this beforehand, so it's a little earlier in the week. But do you get that sense that this feels like a big game in Pittsburgh? Or is this just like another week? While in Buffalo, obviously, you know this. There hasn't been a lot of uh, playoff experience going on. A lot of that kind of football, meaningful December football in Buffalo. So obviously the vibe is a lot different. But at the same token, they're kind of sandwiching between a big game last week in Baltimore. Or I should say against Baltimore and a big game following this the, uh, next week at New England. But it's still a big game vibe in Buffalo. Do you kind of get the sense that it's the same way in Pittsburgh? Uh, it's it's a kind of a weird vibe right now because of everything that's been going on with the Steelers season. It's a, a kind of a roller coaster fantasy land type vibe. Devlin Hodges being at the quarterback position, and you have running back by committee, and two of those guys are off practice squads. And, I mean, and and Marquise Pouncey was out for two weeks and the whole thing with the Cleveland Browns. I mean, there's a lot of things that have been going on with this Steelers season. So, and usually I I say this, and and whenever we're, in order I was on teams, you know, you want to take it one game at a time. And that's how really the approach was on every single team that I was on and every game that I played. It was one game at a time. But with fans, they always look ahead. They were like, all right, well, who do we have? with the next three games or who do we have next week? Or, you know, we have Baltimore coming up the last game of the year in Baltimore. That's going to be something. But the vibe that I get from the fans here in Pittsburgh is one game at a time. And I've never felt like that ever in my life, that fans are taking it one game at a time and really cherishing the moment of the Steelers season right now. And it's like day to day, really. I mean, you hear something day to day and what they're doing and practicing and everything. And people are like, oh, you know, that's great. You know, I can't wait for tomorrow. And then I can't wait for Saturday and I can't wait for Sunday. So the fans are really taking it game one game at a time. And it's a, a pretty exciting. And it's a nice story, too, to uh, really follow if you are a fan of the Steelers. Unrelated to this week's game, but after you brought up Pouncey, it got me thinking, what was your take? What was your personal reaction to what happened with Miles Garrett a couple weeks ago. That helmet situation, as a fan, as a sports talk show host, and most importantly in your case, because not a lot of people get to offer this perspective, but as somebody who's played in the NFL, as a former NFL player, what was your take to everything that happened with that? Uh, I mean, I kind of went, went back and forth, and I was just like, you know, there's no room for uh, that in the NFL, uh, using a weapon, your helmet's a weapon to hit somebody. But then it's like, well, you know, Mason kind of started it and he should have been, you know, pulled away and this, this and that. And nobody knows really what was said. Um, it was just a mess of a situation. And I think Mike and people were honestly upset that Mike Tomlin didn't address it after right after the game. He was like, you know, like no comment and didn't want to talk about it. And people were mad here in Pittsburgh. They're like, we need answers. We need to hear you uh, 
back your quarterback up. We need you to back your team up. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, this guy has dealt with this with distractions for the last two years. I was like, the last thing he's going to do at this point in the season is let anything become a distraction. And if he were to set, sit up there after the game and cuss people out and do this, this, and that, point fingers, that would have caused a distraction. And now you guys are mad about it. Like, I mean, come on, you got to give him some credit for not even acknowledging the situation happened until a couple of days later when everybody calmed down and he had all the facts. So um, that's what was really uh, mind boggling to me was everybody so mad at Mike Tallman for not addressing it right after the game. Hmm. What about, and this is another thing unrelated to the game. The Steelers are wearing, I just read this a short time ago. They're the color rush uniforms on Sunday. As a, again, as a player, I know how fans feel about them. What's your stance on those things? Firstly, I hate them. The Bills all red on Sunday against Baltimore. That kind of repulsed me out. I absolutely hate when the Bills are wearing all red. I don't know. You, maybe you love it, though, man. But anyway, Steelers are uh, doing color rush Sunday. What's your take on those uniforms? Uh, I mean, they're all right. I, I, you know, I, 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 that's probably the last thing that I'll be really looking at. I, you know, even when I was playing, I feel like even when we wore like throwbacks or whatever, I, I was never a, a, a fashion guy really. didn't matter to you didn't, you didn't care nah nah not really i was just like whatever you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> i was like all right let's play all right before i let <laughs> you go i i feel like i'm going to be able to get a fair and unbiased prediction here you played in buffalo you're obviously a pittsburgh guy i know your heart's there as it should be you work there i gotta get one from you man when this is all over it's i don't know 11 30 at night sunday night and al michaels is finally done talking who comes out on top? Who's going to be in the driver's seat when it comes to getting a wild card when this is all over? Uh, with an unbiased uh, prediction, you know, it's kind of hard for me to not uh, uh, really go with the, the the whole wave of the Steelers and what they've been doing in this story. And the, the, the number one thing is this environment is going to be so hostile. You know, once they, I mean, if you didn't get a chance to watch the uh, Arizona game, the Steelers uh, versus Cardinals last week. I mean, Arizona Stadium was all black and gold, and it was all terrible towels, and that's in the Arizona. So with some, with a game on the line and where the stakes are, I mean, this environment's going to be insane, and Josh Allen's not even going to be able to think, I don't believe, and, and, the, and it's just going to really point to the Steelers' direction. So if I had to give a, uh, uh, an actual score, i got to go Steelers 30 and the Bills 21. By the way, I should have mentioned this. Pittsburgh is 28 and nine in primetime games at Heinz Field, and they're 12 and three in their last 15. Meanwhile, the Bills have not played on Sunday night. I think it's like since 2007 or something crazy like that. By the way, when it comes to Josh Allen, you kind of expect the same defensive game plan. Baltimore this past week blitzed the living hell out of the guy. I think they blitzed him 30 times, and he only completed 24% of his passes. Obviously, and Sean McDermott even said this earlier in the week, it's a copycat league. The Steelers are kind of innovative with how they play defense and how they blitz. Do you expect them to dial up a lot of pressure on Josh Allen? I, I expect the same defensive game plan as they did last week against Kyler Murray. I think that they'll treat Josh Allen like Kyler Murray. Uh, both athletic quarterbacks, both can spin it. Both pretty. I mean, obviously, Josh Allen has an has a, has a unreal uh, arm strength. So I think that they'll treat it just like last week, but at home. All right, good stuff, my man Doran Dickerson. Follow him on Twitter at. Doran Doran. Dude, I'm I'm glad to have you back on the podcast again, man. You were one of my favorite players when you were here, one of my favorite people to talk to. Still enjoy talking to you. Glad to see you're doing well. And uh, thanks for doing the pod again. 
Yeah, absolutely. And anytime. And you take care. I appreciate it again. That interview was brought to you by Pulse Cellular. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Whether you're going with Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, doesn't matter what you're using currently. You can switch to Pulse Cellular, get unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data, coast-to-coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65, or you can get four lines for just $45 each. Wow. And by the way, that also includes hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and up to 50 gigs per line. For all you travelers out there, Paul says you covered in Canada and Mexico, plus text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones, or you could also bring your own phone. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. So before I get out of here today, I wanted to follow up Doran's insight with a couple thoughts of my own. And then I got a handful of responses about the magnitude of this game on Sunday night from some fans on Twitter as well. Look, Doran hit on this very well. And I believe him. I think from the Pittsburgh perspective, It's just another in a long line of big games. That is a town that is used to playing very meaningful football games in December. They do it pretty much every year. Obviously, that's not the case in Buffalo. This is a very big game for both teams, but I think even more so for the Buffalo Bills because, well, the obvious reason is a win and you're in. Now, if the Bills win this game, they don't have to worry about New England next week. They don't have to worry about not choking against the Jets at home in week 17. If the Buffalo Bills win, they're in the playoffs. Actually, if the Buffalo Bills win, not only are they in the playoffs, but they lock up the five seed. That is probably the biggest reason why I think this game is so important from a Buffalo perspective. Because I'll tell you right now, they're not going to have to worry about playing Baltimore in the first round. They're going to be the number one. They're going to have a bye. And I think when it's all said and done, New England's going to end up the number two. They're a game up on the Chiefs. And they got Cincinnati, Miami, and a home game against Buffalo to end their season. So they probably run the table or maybe the Chiefs lose another game and they're going to end up being the two. So when it comes to that three seed, I don't want to be the six because frankly, the Kansas City Chiefs are the one team in the AFC that I really do not want to face in the first round. Being that five is important because being the five unofficially at this point locks you in to playing whoever ends up winning the AFC South. And I'm frankly not afraid of either of those teams. If it's the Tennessee Titans, the Bills have already won in Nashville earlier this year. Although, to be fair, they beat Marcus Mariota and not Ryan Tannehill, who, by the way, is kind of low-key playing almost at an MVP level right now. He's been sensational with Tennessee. But anyway, I'm not afraid of them. And I'm certainly not afraid of the Houston Texans. I'm not impressed at all with their defense. And sure, they got a lot of good players on offense. But you know what? So do a lot of other teams that the Bills have won against this year. And the defense has played well. So I'm not afraid. I could go into Houston or I could go into Nashville feeling like the Bills legitimately can win that game. And maybe they won't be on paper in Vegas, but I almost feel like the Bills are expected to beat either of those teams. That's not going to be how I feel if they only get the sixth seed and end up against Kansas City. Now, of course, if they lose this game, stranger things have happened after that. Who knows if they even make the playoffs at all? So this is the opportunity to lock in a playoff game. 
lock in the fifth seed. Very big game for the Buffalo Bills. And look, I'm certainly not taking the Pittsburgh Steelers for granted whatsoever. That defense is every bit as good, maybe even better than the Buffalo Bills defense. Certainly in terms of big name talent, marquee talent, Pittsburgh's defense is crazy good. What might be the NFL defensive MVP this year? T.J. Watt's a bad, bad man. 12 and a half sacks this year. Micah Fitzpatrick might be, not might be, he is one of the best defensive backs in the entire NFL. Bud Dupree, a guy who pretty much nobody's even heard of, he's got nine and a half sacks. Devin Bush, what a rookie beast he is at linebacker. They got Cam Hayward, very good veteran lineman. Joe Hayden in that secondary. That defense is as good as Buffalo's. They're as good as Baltimore's, good as New England. They could play with anybody. They're a good team. They've won seven of their last eight games. And the season that Big Ben goes down, Bell leaves, Brown gets dealt. Guys have been hurt all year, and this team still bangs out victories. It's just absolutely unbelievable to me how much this team is overachieved. I mean, you want to talk about an overachieving football team. Look no further than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Plus, they're at home. They're in prime time. Like I talked about with Doran, this team is nearly unbeatable at home in primetime games. So the Bills have a very tough task ahead of them. But here's the thing, and this is the difference for me when I say measuring stick. I don't care about Josh Allen not playing well last week against Baltimore because, frankly, that defense is going to make most quarterbacks look bad. Ditto for the New England Patriots game. The Patriots have made most quarterbacks look bad this year. I ain't worried about how Josh Allen looked against the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm not going to worry too much if he doesn't look like an all-pro against the Pittsburgh Steelers. For the reasons I just mentioned, that defense is really good. But if you want a legitimate and fair measuring stick to evaluate your second-year quarterback who you want desperately to be your franchise guy, at the very least, you don't got to play great. But I'll tell you what, you got to be better than Duck Hodges. You have to be better than Duck Hodges. That's the big thing. For all the talent that Pittsburgh has on defense, for all the winning they've done, for all the ways they've found ways to manufacture points, at the end of the day, you're going against Duck Hodges. Josh Allen, if nothing else, has to be better than Duck Hodges. I expect the Buffalo Bills defense to play well, like they pretty much have all year long. As good as Pittsburgh is, At the end of the day, we could spend two hours breaking down every aspect of this game. But for me, it comes down to one simple thing. Josh Allen needs to be better than Duck freaking Hodges. On that note, and at least semi-related to that, I put on Twitter earlier this week a question for Buffalo Bills fans. And this is what I said, and I'm going to read a handful of the responses that I got. I said, knowing the Bills can make the playoffs simply by beating the Jets in Week 17, How important is Sunday night's game at Pittsburgh to you? And how worried will you be if they lose? Will expectations decrease dramatically? I want to read a couple of the responses I got. One of them, hashtag is at Jason underscore blue gold. He says, being a Bills fan, nothing is sure thing until it's a sure thing. Win this week and be done with it. This could be like 2004 all over again if they don't beat Pittsburgh and it comes down to the Jets game. I want to go into the playoffs looking strong, not one in three in the last four games. Very good point. When he's referencing 2004, of course, that was the year that the Bills ended up needing to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers at home 
in the final week to get in their playoffs, and they lost essentially to a bunch of Steeler backups. Every Bills fan remembers that nightmare. Anyway, moving on. At Edosh81 says, I think having to beat the Jets to get in will be tougher than most think. However, I think they get it done. I just want the last two weeks to be stress-free. It would be awesome. Agreed. The Bills win. They're not only in the playoffs, but they're also locked into the fifth seed, which I think is a very big deal. Moving on. At Sanford 117, I, like 99% of Bills fans, am very concerned the Bills will blow this, largely due to the team's historical propensity for blowing things. Please give this beleaguered fan base an opportunity to relax for a few weeks and enjoy the playoff atmosphere. I agree with that as well. That's a very fair assessment. When the Bills made the playoffs in 2017, they didn't make the playoffs until Andy Dalton hit Tyler Boyd on a fourth and 10 touchdown pass to beat the Baltimore Ravens. It would be very nice to go handle business on Sunday night and spend the next two weeks having speculation about who the Bills are going to be playing in the first round and hell. Maybe even, are the Bills going to still win the AFC East? More on that in a quick second. Moving on, at Haynes 81 Get it over this week. This Jets game is no gimme. They will try to take us out like we did to them a few years ago. Another excellent point. And if you remember a couple of years ago, the Jets only needed to win to get in the playoffs. They came to Buffalo and the Bills played spoiler and ended their season. As bad and as sorry as the Jets have been this year, I'm sure they love nothing more than the Bills needing to have a win to make the playoffs and being the ones to send the Buffalo Bills home. Very fair point. At NLA Gret, you want to stack wins, not become complacent, going into the playoffs rolling. Another fair point. Don't really got much to add to that. You don't want to go into playoffs limping. You want to go in playing well. At Darwall8817 says, I've been a fan for too long and still haven't bought in. Despite the 95% chance of making the playoffs, what were the probabilities going into week 17 of 2017? I don't think the Jets are a guaranteed victory, and I'd bet they love to repay the bills for 2016. This weekend is huge. At two hats, one mic, important, not from an expectation standpoint, but getting the five seed and the ability to rest people potentially week 17 would increase chances of a playoff win. I'll tell you what, that's a very smart thing to say as well. Think about it this way. The Bills beat Pittsburgh Sunday night. They're in the playoffs. They're the number five seed. And let's just say New England beat Cincinnati this week, and then they beat the Bills at home. The Bills got nothing to play for. That week 17 game against the Jets becomes meaningless because the Bills already are locked into that five seed. If that's the case, they got nothing to play for. I wouldn't be surprised at all if some starters sit. Maybe they have a cameo. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Maybe take a chance of... uh you know, at some precaution so nobody can get injured. That's a point I honestly, I never thought about that. Last one here, John Scott TV. Of course, that's my man, John Scott from Spectrum Sports, who's been on this podcast before. He says, until it's officially over, the division remains in play with the win Sunday night. While quite unlikely to scenario, never know what could happen with the Patriots against the Bengals and the Dolphins. Well, I mean, that's true. Let's just say the Bills win and Let's just go ahead and give the New England Patriots that win against Cincinnati. That does at least leave the possibility for another week where we're talking if the Bills could beat New England and in week 17, that does take the division down to the last week. I certainly don't think that uh, New England's going to lose at home in week 17 to the Miami Dolphins. But if nothing else, at least it would be fun for another week. And who knows? I mean, hell, maybe if the Cincinnati Bengals can pull off the stunner 
and beat New England in Cincinnati, I would definitely say of the two, there's a much better chance that the Bengals, even though I think the Dolphins are a better team, I think there's a better chance that the Bengals could be the one who would end up upsetting New England and kind of putting the AFC East back into play for the Bills, at least if they win Sunday night. So really good stuff from people on Twitter. My prediction for this game, I know Doran had the Bills losing by seven. I got the Bills winning by seven. I got Buffalo winning 20 to 13. I think they clinched the playoff spot. I think they clinched the five seed. And I think they keep their faint hopes alive for winning the AFC East, at least for another week. If you like dominant defense, Sunday night, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, Doran Dickerson, former Buffalo Bill, current sports talk show radio host at 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh. Does a great job and a all around great guy. Love having Doran on the podcast. It's been a while, so appreciate him. Next week, two normal shows, Tuesday and Friday. And then after that, in fact, one week from today on Friday, Going to be on a jet plane going back to my hometown, Buffalo, New York. Actually, when I say jet plane, I mean whatever aircraft Frontier Airlines is going to throw me on that day. Needless to say, though, going back home for the holidays, and I cannot wait. Friends, family, but beyond that, the podcast, I'm going to be taping at least four, maybe five podcasts while I'm in Buffalo. I'm going to hook up for some wings, have some really good guests, hit up some cool spots, tape some shows there, so very much Looking forward to doing that. Guys, if you have not done so already, please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, rate and review, all that fun stuff. We're available on pretty much every major podcasting platform. Also hit up the Moranalytics Podcast YouTube channel. Got highlight clips from these podcast episodes up there, as well as some original audio content that you'll only find on the YouTube channel. And then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at PatMoranTweets. Always tweeting out podcast updates, polls, upcoming guests, giveaways, thoughts, all kinds of other stuff there. Thanks again for listening. I say it every week. I mean it. You listening to this podcast, you hitting play, you hitting that download button. It humbles me. I'm so grateful. So appreciative. So thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Very big football game on Sunday. And I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about Tuesday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.